thanks for listening to our Life Church Utah podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you can check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. It is uh, really great. I, I need to make a confession, though. Uh, is that okay if I bare my soul here really quickly? Just nobody else knows this, but um, I went back for seconds at Thanksgiving. And thirds, and that extra pie. I put on like a pound and a half, two pounds, filling this body out. I am so excited about that. So anyway, hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, how many have had a good Thanksgiving? Anybody have a good one? All right, it's great. Um, we were able to have our whole family over, and that was really a joy to be able to, uh, uh, to do that. And uh, hopefully it really was a, a time for you to be thankful, a time to gather with friends and family. We know sometimes it can be tough with your family. We totally get that. And uh, sometimes a little bit of upheaval there. Uh, but, uh, but overall, we, we uh, just are trusting that the Lord's really, the gratitude we can return to the Lord really becomes the primary focus of uh, days like this last Thursday, uh, along with some good food, but really primarily about Jesus and a returning thanks to him. And so uh, hopefully you all had a great, uh, great Thanksgiving. So, uh, hey, turn your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter five. If you are new to Life Church, uh, we are currently going through a series on the book of Romans. Uh, it is a fantastic book, and all the books in the Bible are fantastic. This one is extra fantastic. And uh, we've been in it for a little while, and we're gonna be in it for a little while longer as we uh, make our way through the entire uh, book of Romans, um, pretty much chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse. Um, and uh, we come to a shift in the way, I gotta be careful I say that, we come to a shift in the way that, um, uh, the way that Paul is dealing with this letter as he's writing it uh, to this young Roman church. And the first four chapters, he's been focusing a lot uh, kind of back at like you. He's saying you a bunch of times uh, in there and focusing on sin and the results of sin and the difficulty uh, that, uh, that really this world kind of entails and we have this bent towards disobedience. And so Paul, you know, time and time and time again is digging into this. He's also talking uh, to the church uh, about the wrong way to see faith and you know, kind of the wrong way to do things. And now we get to Romans chapter five and it shifts a little bit. And what we see is uh, Paul now starts to say the word we uh, in this. And he, he starts including himself in this. And a really important transition takes place. Uh, he was talking about uh, last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, check out Facebook, check out YouTube, whatever you need to do at Life Church Utah and uh, go back and watch it. But he was talking about um, a great uh, man of faith from way back in the Old Testament. Uh, he was talking about Abraham and how Abraham came to faith. Was it by works? Did he earn it? Or was it simply by belief? And so Paul begins to to make this shift into what it means for us now uh, to have, you know, what does it really mean for Jesus to set us free? What is it, uh, what about baptism? Water baptism is so important. We're going to actually find out about that. And in fact, if you haven't been water baptized, we do have water baptisms coming up uh, late in January. So just getting you ready uh, for that uh, ahead of time. Um, how do I live daily for Jesus? This is this, the center section of Romans chapter five through chapter, Romans chapter eight. 
Now, for many of you, Romans chapter 8, if you've been in the church a long time or been a Christian for a long time, uh, Romans chapter 8 is a favorite chapter for many people. It is incredibly powerful. I can't wait to get there, but we got to get through 5, 6, and 7 before we get to chapter 8. And if you thought we spent a long time in chapter 1, just wait till we get to chapter 8 because we're going to be there uh, for a while, camped out. Um, In Romans uh, 6 and 7, they really talk about the idea of the struggle is real. How many of you know the struggle is real, right? We're on the struggle bus uh, when it comes to a live in our Christian life at times. And so let's dive into Romans chapter five, beginning at verse one. He says, therefore, and uh, I say this pretty often when the word therefore is there, we've got to figure out what it's there for. And uh, when Paul is making this transition, he's referring back to Romans chapter four, when he was talking about Abraham and how Abraham came to faith, uh, or, or Abraham believed in God, believed in the promise that God was giving, and God said that that belief, that faith, is what made him right with God. So therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have the same faith that Abraham had, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, this is kind of a tough part here, Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. Ever thought about that before? We rejoice in sufferings. Oh God, it is so great. I'm having a miserable time on this planet, right? (laughs) We rejoice in our sufferings. But this is is why, and we're going to get to this for the kind of the meat of where we're going today. But we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So this is Paul's understanding of of this bigger picture that he's beginning to talk about and making this turn to what does it mean to actually live, uh, live in faith for Jesus Christ. And so the very first thing that he talks about is this idea of peace with God. How many of you need a little more peace in your life? Anybody need more peace? How many of you after Thanksgiving need more peace in your family? All right, yeah, a little honesty there, right? So peace with God. Now, when Paul is talking about peace here, there's a lot of different ways that peace can be applied. It can be, you know, absence of conflict. It can be, um, you know, it's all smooth sailing on the waters of life. Okay, that can be peace. But what Paul is actually talking about here, the word for peace that's here and, and how it's used is this idea of a right relationship with God that we have been reconciled with God, that, that when we encounter God after faith in Jesus Christ, there is no fear of wrath from God. And this is what Paul is saying, that we have this incredible peace with God, that our relationship with God is right. Now, if you've ever been in that position before, where you, you maybe are wondering how your relationship with God is going and you walk away from maybe a time of prayer or devotion reading in the Bible and you realize that you are right with God, that is an incredible moment in your relationship with him where there's not a fear associated with having done something wrong. There's not a fear associated with not have, you know, having some, un, um, uh, some unconfessed sin in your life and you're like, God, we're good. And man, you look through the Psalms and there are times when the psalmist is writing and saying, God, we're good. 
My integrity is there. My, my wisdom is there. And that is a fantastic moment to be in. And this is what Paul is saying. We can be in that point with God. And notice that this peace comes through Jesus Christ. Nowhere else. Now, as you're flipping, you know, using your thumb muscles on Instagram over Thanksgiving, anybody do that, right? Okay, and uh, Facebook, wondering how everybody else is celebrating their Thanksgiving compared to yours, right? And so you've got this whole thing going on. You have something called advertisements. Anybody see the advertisements, right? So you're flipping through the advertisements. The advertisements in a weird sort of way, regardless of what those advertisements are, right, for like a new pair of Beats headphones, that's going to give you peace in your life. That's really what they're promising through this. This is going to make everything right. That new pair of underwear is going to be perfect for you, right? Going to give me peace, right? You, you flip through. You've seen them all, right? Okay, and I'm not the only one. So you're kind of flipping. You're like, what is going on with this? We've got to understand the only way to true peace in our life is right relationship with God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else is going to provide that. And so because we have right relationship with God, because we have through faith in Jesus Christ, Paul also says not only do we have peace with God, but we have access to God through grace. Access to God. Now, this word access is pretty cool. Uh, it's not like opening the door and you have access to your house. That's, that's not what this is. But this is an access, the, the word here for access uh, was, was a term specifically used for those coming into the presence of royalty. That you had to, um, you know, you had to have your background check, you had to make sure you don't have COVID, you had to make sure you, know, you got all this stuff in order to get access to the king. And so uh, this is the access that Paul is talking about here that starts with this peace, that, that has that faith in Christ Jesus there, and all of a sudden we are granted access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to stand before God the Father because of what Jesus has done. And it's kind of like what, what's actually happening in that access that's being granted. It's like Jesus is walking alongside with you, coming up to the Father, be like with Jonathan, right? Walking up, Jesus go, hey, I got Jonathan with me, Father. Look, he's been redeemed. He's in right relationship. He has been reconciled. And I am giving him access to the throne room of God. How cool is that? Or for Jennifer, right? Jesus is walking right alongside of Jennifer saying, look at this, Father. I brought Jennifer. She's been reconciled. Her sins are counted against her no more. By faith, she has received me, and she has access to the throne room of God. This is the access that we have every time we pray, every time we worship. When we were worshiping just a minute ago, it wasn't just singing songs. I hope you realize that. It's not just something that we do because we all sing on key. Because <laughs> some of you don't. I have heard you, and it is. <laughs> Jesus is like, well, I tried. <laughs> um, right? And, and so, but when we worship, when we pray, when we read the word of God, I believe that there is something supernatural that's happening, and we are ushered into the presence of God. And so it matters when we worship. And yeah, even if you can't sing, you know what? The Bible says, make that joyful noise, <laughs> right? Make that noise to the Lord because there's something powerful that happens uh, when we do that. Okay, um, 
So we have hope through love, and this is kind of the whole middle section here that we're talking about. We have this idea of hope that ultimately is through the love that God gives to us. Um, But Paul also recognizes that although we have hope, right, because we have the hope of this glory, we have this hope of, of God's presence, there is a very real world that has not experienced the same salvation that we have. And so there's a very real world out there that is hurting and broken and suffering is a part of that world. And Paul also wants us to understand that that suffering is a part of our world as well. We walk through suffering. That just, become, just because we are a follower of Christ, just because we've had faith in Christ, listen to what, uh, what Jesus says to his own disciples in John 16, 33. He said, I've told you these things. He's talking to the disciples about what's to come. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Again, right relationship. In the world, you have trouble and suffering. How many of you have ever gone through a time of trouble and suffering in your world? (laughs) Right? We have all experienced that. Pretty much no matter what age. Right? We've all experienced that. But he goes on. He says, but take courage. I have conquered the world. So it says to me that even though there is trouble and suffering in the world, there's something through the trouble and suffering that we gain in a right relationship with Christ. So in this world, right, when we become a follower of Christ, we, we get a foretaste, we get a, just a kind of a, a shaded picture of what, it actual, what God's glory is actually like. Right, we, we have forgiveness of our sins and we can live our lives differently. And so there's this sense within us that, that we are doing the right things in our life. But the real world around us, when the troubles come, those troubles should not trip us up. And so Paul is helping us recognize here that we don't deny the troubles. We don't deny the suffering. Now, I've been around, I mean, I've been in church now, probably since I was about 11 years of age. It wasn't real to me until I was about 16 or 17. Um, but so 11 years of age, I'm 51. And so that puts me in church for about 40 years. And in those 40 years of being in church, um, I have run across people that deny the fact that there is suffering and trouble in the world. Right? Somebody maybe who has received a, a diagnosis from a doctor and, and they, they say, well, I'm not going to say the word that that diagnosis is because if I do, then somehow there's a curse on me for saying that word or I'm accepting it or you know what I'm saying? There's like this weird kind of thing that goes on in, in some who kind of think that way. And I'm like, but I wonder if that actually shows a lack of faith rather than an understanding of the place that faith plays in our lives when we deal with suffering. Because if we deny the fact that suffering is happening around us or happening to us, we're turning a blind eye to the needs of the world around us. And in fact, did Jesus suffer? He did, pretty tremendously. If you read through the word, you realize this was not a happy, uh, happy circumstance for him in the crucifixion, everything leading up to it. And so suffering is something as part of our world experience. And so Paul recognizes this, and so he gives us kind of a roadmap for how do we make it through suffering. 
And so this is, this is kind of it. And I'm going to go back in, uh, and reread the, uh, the verse just a second ago. So not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering, right? This is the first one. That suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. And then that endurance produces character. And that character <laughs> produces hope. And then that hope doesn't disappoint because now we are re- revealed to us as this love of God through the Holy Spirit. This is that whole journey of suffering that we experience and sometimes we short circuit that, first of all, by saying, oh, it's not suffering. Or by denying the difficulties of life. Rather than going, okay, God, there's a suffering that's happening in my life right now how are we going to make it through this? God, God, how are we going to do this together? Because I can't do this on my own. You see, suffering for some turns them away from God. We probably all know somebody who's walked down that road. God doesn't love me if I'm going through suffering. Jesus himself went through suffering. Did God the Father not love him? Right? I mean, and so, so suffering does not equal God doesn't love you. And the suffering that Paul's talking about here is generic suffering. It's uh, the, the, the world around us, the difficulties that everybody in the world experiences, Christian and non Christian. Oftentimes, Paul, the, the suffering he talks about in other uh, letters he's written, um, those, that kind of suffering is directly related to, um, to how uh, we suffer as Christians because of our faith in Christ. Like, you know, you, you tell your faith in Christ and you get fired from your job, you know, or something like that. That kind of suffering is what Paul often talks about here. It's just that generic suffering that we are all facing because we live in a broken world. The word, um, let me see here. And so when he gets to this idea of endurance, so, so the suffering that we all face, Paul says that that should lead to endurance. That there's a, there's a purpose to the suffering that we go through. And the word that's used here for endurance is uh, not a weak kind of word. This is an incredibly strong word that basically it's not a passive endurance, but it is actively overcoming the trials and tribulations of life. This is an active endurance. Um, maybe you know people that are like Eeyore. Anybody remember Eeyore from um, uh, Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore, right? Oh, it's horrible. Life is bad, right? You got that whole thing. I'm going to make it, maybe. <laughs> right? So you've got people that are like that. And I understand that there are, there are times when it feels like the weight of the world is crushing down upon us. And I get that. And it's hard to endure, but the endurance that we are promised right through going through suffering leads to this endurance. This endurance is one that takes charge. This endurance is not one that lays back and is run over. This endurance is an endurance of strength with Christ with us side by side. And that endurance then leads us to what's, what the Bible or what this version says is character. And that's not just, oh, he's such a character. That's not, that's not the character we're talking about here. The character we're talking about here is a tested character that has persevered through trials. 
This is someone who is strong. This is someone who, uh, despite the stuff that has gone on around them, that their character, their integrity, the very core of who they are has not been shaken. That comes from suffering that has led to endurance and that endurance now is tested in the character of their life. This character is the idea of um, uh, who you are or what you are when no one is looking. When you are home all alone, is your life the same there as it is here on a Sunday morning in front of all your peers? Should be the same. So suffering, rather than threatening or weakening our hope, as uh, we might expect to be the case, will instead increase our certainty in that hope. Right When we follow what Paul is talking here, this, this suffering that leads to endurance, that leads to character, that leads to hope, there's something on this side of, uh, this side of suffering, right? the hope-filled side of suffering, that we can't get through or can't get to unless we've started with that suffering. There's an author who wrote an article called Suffering Will Always Change You. Her name is Vanitha Reisner, and that's from uh, DesiringGod.org. And uh, she had just found out about a debilitating um, disease that she was going to be fighting for the rest of her life. Uh, and she and her husband had just lost uh, a child, I believe at about seven months, uh, pre-born, pre uh, seven, uh, seven months along in the pregnancy. They were devastated by, by this, been praying uh, for the pregnancy and all of that. And um, she was writing about suffering and writing about what this was doing to her. And this was her conclusion. And I find this really fascinating and very encouraging. She says, as a result of the suffering and the endurance, right, and the character building and the hope, as a result, I'm more compassionate, more self-controlled, more content, more prayerful, more passionate about the Bible, and more excited about heaven than I would have been otherwise. Left to myself, right, left to this idea of suffering and it's terrible, I'm not going anywhere with this thing and it's just bad and nothing comes from this. Left to myself, I'd be more irritable, more critical, and more impatient than I already am. But my physical limitations are teaching me kindness, patience, and grace. All of my suffering has been an opportunity for growth. I love that perspective. Does that mean that we just go, okay, God, give me more suffering so I can grow, <laughs> right? No, that's not it at all. In this world, you will have trouble and suffering. It's going to happen. What do we do with it, though? That's what God is concerned with. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Now, this is Peter, not Paul, but listen to what Peter says and how he ties in a lot of these same ideas that Paul has already been speaking about. He says, you now rejoice in this hope, even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time by various trials. This is necessary so that your faith may be found genuine. Your faith is more valuable than gold, which will be destroyed even though it is itself tested by fire. Your genuine faith will result in praise, glory, and honor for you when Jesus Christ is revealed. When we go through suffering the right way, there's a reward on the other side of it. There truly is. Now, it might not show up in money, right? It might not show up in everything working out the way you hope it will, but what it shows up in is that right relationship with God that is filled with peace and his glory is revealed in your life, even in the middle of suffering. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, which is for me, uh, this is an incredibly powerful set of scriptures that um, I have, it's, it's really become a heart's cry of my own. 
Uh, Paul says here, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He is the compassionate Father and God of all comfort. He's the one who comforts us in all our trouble so that we can comfort other people who are in every kind of trouble. We offer the same comfort that we ourselves receive from God. That is because we receive so much comfort through Christ in the same way that we share so many of Christ's sufferings. So if we have trouble, it's to bring you comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance while you go through the same suffering that we also suffer. Now in my own life, this has come true in so many different ways. Um, many of you know my testimony, but just super, super quick. My father committed suicide when I was 28 after a long battle with alcoholism and uh, a lot of obviously suffering and working through all of that in, in my own life. But I believe that in that suffering that God built an endurance in my own life and developed character in me as a 28-year-old uh, young man, even though I was a pastor at the time, supposed to have it all figured out, right? Uh, but I didn't. And working through that developed that endurance and that character and gives me incredible incredible hope. And in that comfort though, that in that particular instance in my own life, man, it's amazing how God has been able to use that through the years and others who have walked through a tragedy in their own life. And I counted a great blessing for me to be able to share that with people and to say, hey, I've made it through this and there's hope on the other side of this. Let's make it through this together. We got to know hope does not disappoint us. Hope never disappoints. Um, and at verse five, at the very end of what I read earlier, this love that, uh, the, of God that is poured out, the word poured out there um, is not just like a, bloop, you know, like a small little filling up of a small little, uh, you know, little tiny cup of coffee, okay? This is like an abundance overflowing. This is God's love that cannot be contained, uh, right? This is God's love that's poured out in his grace upon our lives in tremendous abundance overflowing all through our lives. And it shows up after the suffering that leads to endurance, that leads to character, that leads to hope, that leads ultimately to that love of God that's revealed in the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so knowing all of this, right, as Paul's worked through this, as he wrote this down for the early church, Paul is overwhelmed with God's grace and love. And so he concludes this next section by this. And I'm just gonna read this, Romans chapter five, uh, beginning of verse six. Remember, this is all tied together. He goes, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse seven, for rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die, right? So you might die and put yourself in harm's way for somebody that you love or whatever, but here's what God did. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. Much more than because we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from God's wrath. Right, Paul talked a lot about God's wrath in the beginning, uh, certainly chapter one and two. He's dealing with that pretty heavily. And he's saying now through here, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, we're reconciled. No longer is wrath part of the picture when we're in right relationship with God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, since we've been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? 
Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received this reconciliation. Other versions say, for we have now received peace. Because that same idea is there, a right relationship with God. Paul starts this section and ends this section with the idea that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this whole, the last section I read, and, and really this uh, up, up now through uh, Romans chapter five, we see revealed about God something that people think um, is only in the New Testament. But we find out that from the very first pages of Genesis and then all the way through, uh, and throughout the Old Testament, all the way through the end of the New Testament, this one echo is happening time and time and time again. And it's revealed in this and what we just read that God is love. God is love. This is his greatest desire for us. The greatest desire for us to experience from him is his love poured out in our lives and it's found only in Jesus Christ. So at Life Church, God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. That means we need to be more like Jesus. What we find out from this passage is that suffering at times is what it means to be more like Jesus. It's part of the world in which we live. We don't deny it as Christians, as followers of Christ. We don't run away from the suffering and pretend that it doesn't exist. Instead, we do what Paul has asked us to do, but we realize that that suffering can lead somewhere in our life, lead to endurance, developing character in our life, leading to hope and ultimately revealing the love of God. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet as we uh, close out this morning. And here's how we're gonna do this this morning. Um, we are the family of God. And so just like Paul wrote in the first, uh, second Corinthians uh, chapter one that he's the God of all comforts. And there are those of you who today would say, pastor, I am in a season of suffering. I just found out something about a diagnosis. I just found out something about a, a family member. I just found out something about my own child running away from God or a work situation, lost your job, but you know, whatever. And you are saying, I am in a significant time of suffering right now it's and i am struggling right now i feel pretty hopeless right now i feel like i don't have much endurance and certainly my character is suffering I mean, it is just a tough time for me right now and i'm struggling and suffering we've all been there one way shape or form we've all been there and if you are there right now here's what i'm gonna invite you to do and you won't be alone by the way here's what i'm gonna invite you to do can you just lift your hand and just say pastor i'm struggling right now I am really hurting right now. Keep your hands up, please. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I'm going to say something else here real quick, but keep, keep those hands raised. And um, we are the family of God, right? We're the family of God. And when one member among us is suffering, what are we supposed to do as the family of God? We're supposed to lift them up. The Bible says we mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And so if there is someone that's nearby you, keep your hand raised for just a moment. If there's somebody that's nearby you that has their hand raised,
can I have you move across the aisles, move out of the seat where you are and put a hand on their shoulder. Just find some way to just kind of connect with them. And uh, I don't want anybody to be alone. So right up front here, we've got a couple of people up in the balcony. I see a couple of people up there. Make sure somebody's with everybody, right? We're the family of God. We should not be alone in our suffering. Some of you have walked through incredible times of suffering this year, and it has been incredibly difficult, but you're making it through it, and now you're saying, you know what, I'm going to be praying over and asking God's blessing on these who are walking through a time. So this is what we do as the family of God. We lift up these who are suffering, and so why don't you join me in prayer, and I don't want to be the only one praying, so I want you to be able to pray out loud and pray blessings over their life. And so God, we lift up these who right now are facing a time of suffering, maybe persecution, difficulty in their their life. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. God, no matter what the suffering is, Lord, no matter what form it has taken in their life, Lord, right now they are feeling overwhelmed. Right now, God, they are feeling that they can't handle it. God, right now they're feeling that their endurance is waning, their character is suffering, God, but and there is no hope. But Lord, right now in Jesus' name, with the comfort that we have received as the people of God, as we lay hands on them, God, be the God of comfort to them. God, be the one who speaks to their situation. God, be to the be to them the hope that they desperately need, God. Be the endurance, be the character, oh God. Be the integrity in their life. Lord, be the hope to them and ultimately, God, show your love to them. Lord, I thank you that as the family of God, we can lift one another up. I thank you, God, as the family of God, that you've called us to bear one another's burdens. And so, God, we gladly and willingly come alongside these who are suffering. Lord, show your grace to them. Show your power in their lives. And Lord, thank you for this incredible family at Life Church Utah. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each person who's here today. God, I ask that your face would shine upon them, that, God, you would give them your peace, that, Lord, you would um, just uh, allow your countenance to rise on them. Lord, show your pleasure in their lives, oh God. And, Lord, as we leave from here, help us to recognize that, Lord, even in the midst of suffering, God, you're growing us and making us more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We give you, Lord, all of the glory and all of the honor this day. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen and amen, amen. Hey, thank you guys so much. God bless you. On your way out today, make sure you grab one of our devotionals. It's uh, Jesus, the Arrival of the Promise. These are written by our staff as well as a number of other people within the congregation. Uh, you can start them on Jan uh, January, on December 1st. It'll take you all the way through December 25th. So God bless you guys. Make sure you pick one of these up on your way out. God bless you.